Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're the Menschwarmers uh, with our first podcast of 5782. Gabe, how you doing? I'm good. Shana Tova to you and everyone out there in podcast radio land. Yeah, it's 5782, but I'll be writing 5781 on my checks for weeks to come. Absolutely. Uh, and I will be making that joke every year <laughs> for the rest of my life. And no uh, one can stop me. That's just, that's just how I live. All right. That's what now that they've given you a podcast, you're going to unfortunately have to do that over and over and again. So uh, this is great. It's a great show up ahead. We have uh, wrestling superstar, indie wrestling legend and AEW, uh, I guess, young new icon Colt Cabana on the show, formerly known as Scotty Goldman in WWE, Colt Cabana in the Indies and Colt Cabana on AEW. Um, but first, we're going to talk about the uh, start of the NFL season, some updates from other Jews in sports, but I got a quick story, just a little Jewish geography story for you. You know, there's about 10 people in Nova Scotia. Uh, you mean about 10 Jews in Nova Scotia? Exactly. So I was out this weekend for a wedding and I played a golf course, famous golf course called Cabot Links. It was very fun. Right. Um, my caddy turns out uh, it was Jewish and was the best friend of the guy who ran my camp. Wow, that's so very funny. A, a Jewish geography sports story. And now I can write off the trip. Jamie, what do you have to say? We're everywhere. Uh, not much. Um, you know, everything's been good. Excited about Rosh Hashanah. Nice uh, family gathering the other day. Uh, no synagogue this year because of COVID, I guess. And uh, just my, my general preferences as well. But, uh, you know, <laughs> it's the new year for the Jews. It's also the new year for the NFL. Um, we're actually recording this during the opening game that I haven't paid attention to yet, but I thought it would be a good opportunity to talk about some, uh, Jews of the NFL. Um, I think as we mentioned before, there have been three straight Jewish Super Bowl champions, um, Julian Edelman three years ago who retired, uh, recently, um, Mitchell Schwartz two years ago with the chiefs and last year, Ali Marpet of the, uh, of the Tampa Bay Bucks, a tackle who's, who's currently playing right now, I guess. Yeah, uh, Mitchell Schwartz is still not signed for the year, but I think the expectation is that he will sign. Um, he's just exploring his options, taking a little time off, but he's absolutely well sought after. Yeah, that's right. He, he's, uh, he's currently a free agent, but he should be on a team soon. Um, there's a few other people that uh, I want to talk about as well. Um, Nate Ebner, formerly of the, uh, of the New England Patriots, is currently, a, uh, currently signed with New York as a special teams player. Um, you know, he, he didn't, he skipped the Olympics this year, I think in part to sort of rehab and get, get back to, uh, playing, playing football full time. Um, I, you know, obviously COVID year was, was a bit weird for everyone. Um, but, uh, Julian Edelman, of course, retired. We had a, I think we had our first ever emergency podcast, uh, when you were, uh, you were, you were busy with your wife, your wife giving birth. But... Fresh with the baby. Yeah. The baby. Yeah. And another guy talking about Greg Joseph, the, uh, Vikings kicker, uh, South Ooh. African Jew who has sort of Big been in Joseph. and out. Yeah, just been sort of in and out of very uh, far. in and out of the NFL. You know, he's sort of been a backup kicker at times. Uh he, he's played in a few games here and there, but I think as far as as far as I know, he is going to be the starting kicker for the Minnesota Vikings. Um you know, they his don't parents, have anybody else on their his roster. Parents right now. are Glenn and Ilana. You know, this wasn't this wasn't just brought up so that you could try out your South African <laughs> accent. <laughs> Then why was it brought up, Jamie? Uh, it was brought up because he's because he's a because he's, he's a Jewish uh, player. Um, you know, he was born in South Africa, but he grew up in Boca Raton, and he's going to be playing for the Vikings. I think that's that's pretty exciting. I don't know the last time there's been a Jewish kicker. Um, there's obviously been there's been a few Mike Jacobs All Star kickers like uh, 
Robbie Gold, I think is the big one, who, yeah. who spells his name G-O-U-L-D. But pronounces um, Gold. Because I, I certainly Gould. grew up with a kid named Robbie Gould, who was Gould, oh, yeah. G-O-U-L-D, but th- not Gold in that way. Yeah. And also Jack Fox, the kicker for the Lions currently. Uh, I think Mike Jacobs All-Star. As far as I can tell, not Jewish. Um, he has not yet at- responded to our email to ask if he is Jewish. We'll update you as soon as we know in the audience there. That's right. Um, outside of, uh, outside of that, Josh Rosen, I think is, is the backup currently for the Falcons. Um, you know, we've talked about Rosen, chosen Rosen in the past. He was a sort of highly vaunted, uh, draft pick, but, but didn't really get, uh, a fair, a fair shrift, I think in, in Arizona who drafted them and then sort of dumped him for Kyler Murray, uh, went to Miami for a bit again, weren't that interested in making it happen. So don't think he's going to see much playing time. Don't think he's going to see much playing time in Atlanta, uh, barring a, a unfortunate injury to Matt Ryan. But, you know, he's still sticking around. He's not gone. Um, he's still someone who can contribute maybe to another team. Maybe he gets another shot somewhere. I maybe mean, he's Matt a victim Ryan of circumstance. Gets hurt, yeah. Rosen's and you know what? Once again, maybe he has a 15 year career as a backup, and that's perfectly fine. That's, you know, that's pretty good. The last person referred to that, I think, was uh, Charlie Whitehurst, whose nickname mm-hmm. was Clipboard Jesus for a very long time. And yeah. Jesus, as we know, was a Jew. That's true. It is, it is funny to think that, like, you could be the 60th best quarterback in the entire world and, uh, you know, barely play a down in an NFL season. Like, if I was the 60th best lawyer in the world, I, I'd be... You know, I'd be at the top of my field anywhere I want to practice. But uh, right. if you were the 60th a little best when you're lawyer the in the world, you'd probably make more money than the 60th best NFL player in the world. Maybe. Um, but uh, outside of, outside of the uh, gridiron, the uh, the owners of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Glazer family, are also Jews. Um, you know, they're currently the reigning uh, NFL champions, and we'll see this year. It could be another Jewish uh, ownership group or Jewish coach maybe who's involved in, uh, the Super Bowl. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, keep everyone updated with, uh, Jewish football news that goes on. Uh, you know, not a ton of Jews in the game right now. And we're paying attention. Speaking of Jewish coaches, our, um, sort of glass masked, uh, camp counselor friend, Josh Pastner is, uh, has re-signed with the Georgia tech yellow jackets, giving him a couple of more years behind the bench of Georgia tech. Hopefully he has another run in the tournament like he did last year. We're always, he's just, we talked about this last year, but he's a guy, I'm sure no one has ever called him by his first name in his life. He's just been Passner. To every Jewish person he's known, hey, Passner, what's going on? You're Passner's coach in the Yellow Jackets? Passner yeah. got a new gig. I, I, was it you or someone else who said he's like, he's like the guy, the old, the old counselor at camp? Like the, yeah, the guy who's he, there. He did a like bit 14 past. years of staff. Passner. He seems like that kind of guy. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so good for him. Yeah. And uh, one other piece of news I wanted to mention uh, Scott Efros. Uh, a relief pitcher with the Chicago Cubs has been called up to the bigs. Uh, he's had a few performances, or sorry, a few appearances so far that have gone well. Um, you know, he's a, he's an older, an older guy for a rookie. He's 27 years old, uh, career minor leaguer who's, you know, maybe this is just a cup of coffee or maybe it's a tryout for another year. You know, he sort of went up the ranks of minor league baseball, um, not a prospect type of guy, but he's had success so far. You know, he's only pitched five and two thirds, but uh, you know, the Cubs aren't competing this year. This is a good time for a tryout and maybe he catches on towards the end of this year. Um, it might be hard for him to continue to play for his manager, David Ross, given that his name is F Ross. Uh, <laughs> but you know, crazier things have happened and, and it's, you know, what's in the name as, uh, as, as this one's put. Extremely um, strange. Agreed. 
before we go, uh, I'd love to talk about uh, sort of a few things. My first question for you, Jamie, quickly before, what's your favorite shape? Ooh, my favorite shape. This is a new one. Um, I think I'm going to go with the symmetry here and, and say the circle. Well, it's interesting you say that because right now the CJN as part of its relaunch is creating the CJN circle, which you, the listener, can join. Kick off 5782 with a subscription to the cjn.ca slash the circle. With the CJN circle, you get a quarterly print magazine, exclusive emails, and invitations to live and virtual events, which may or may not feature yours truly and Jamie Hirsch. As well, our producer Michael Freeman will show his face finally. Yeah, uh, get a subscription to the print magazine. You know, we're not a print newspaper anymore, but there's still occasional print magazines. The, the recent one went out for, for past subscribers. And uh, this is your way to get in on the ground floor of the new CJN. Uh, so sign up at the cjn.ca slash circle. And now let's go to our interview with uh, Grappler, Shakespearean, uh, and uh, uh, troubadour of the squared circle, Mr. Colt Cabana. We're here, uh, we're on the Mench Warmers with Colt Cabana, a professional wrestler, probably the most notable Jewish professional wrestler of the last 20 years, I would say, with maybe one particular Goldberg shaped exception. Um, but oh, maybe not, maybe <laughs> just maybe just Colt. So happy to have you, Colt. Uh, welcome, Shalom, Shalom, and Shana Tova, Shana Tova, Colt. Uh, why don't you? Some of our audience may not be as familiar with professional wrestling as you or I might be, and you're a lot more familiar than most people, you know, than Jamie or I. So can you tell us sort of who you are and and where you are now, how you got there? Sure. My name is Cole Cabana, but it, uh, my grandparents uh, were Cabanasteins and it was, you know, changed at, <laughs> sure. at the island. Um, a, a, uh, a classic story, a classic immigrant story. It really a tale as old as time. Um, I, I've been so I've been professional wrestling for it's going on 23 years now. And uh, born in the suburbs of Chicago, Deerfield, a nice little Jewish town, uh, bar mitzvah. And uh, in my town, you know, everyone was going to be a lawyer or doctor or real estate or one of those asshole jobs. And my just passion and the only thing I ever wanted to do, I was obsessed with professional wrestling. And I kind of was super focused, laser focused to be a professional wrestler my whole career. Um, my, my parents were like, you have to go to college, obviously. And I was like, but I want to be a wrestler. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Go to college and then get a job. And if you want to do it on the side, you can do that as a hobby. Sure. And so um, so I did go to college, but I played a, a year of college football. And after that, I was like, I hate this so much. I just want to be a wrestler. Mom, dad, I'm 18. I'm a grown up now. I can do what I want. And so they let me go to wrestling school as long as I finished college. So as I was going to college, I finished wrestling school and I started to wrestle on the independent scene. And I traveled all over the, uh, the Midwest uh, for the first four years. And then I kind of got good and I caught on, on the East coast and the, in the South. And all of a sudden I got started getting flown overseas and I started traveling the world. And by the time I was 24, I was doing this full-time. It was my full-time job on about $8,000 a year. And then, um, I started traveling to Japan and then I got signed by the WWE after eight years of doing this constantly. Uh, after two years, I got fired by the WWE. And then that's kind of where my like story really starts is like, I really started pounding the pavement and becoming this DIY independent kind of mogul. 
And, um, you know, I, I like to think I, I took the skills of my father, who was a clothing salesman and a hustler himself. And I mm -hmm. kind of like used it in my own world. And um, and I really became this DIY kind of a little bit. I, I, some would say like an icon or a trailblazer in the world of independent wrestling. And um, after my WWE run, I had like 10 years of just like crazy hustle, crazy drive on the road, 200 days a year. And when I'm not on the road, like working on the laptop, creating content, making merchandise. And uh, just um, about a year and a half ago, I was signed with a company called AEW, which is on television on TNT every single Wednesday night. And I've been there ever since. And even through COVID, I, I signed right before COVID. And so, which was kind of crazy because I had, I had, I had on purposely never had a contract for, except for those WWE on purpose. And I kind of said to myself, well, I'm like 40 now, maybe I'll sign a contract. COVID hit. And I, I was collecting a weekly check with AEW and um, and power, we powered through kind of the, the first lapse of COVID. But here we are now. Right. But luckily, we're, we're touring. And um, and that's me. That's 23 years of wrestling in three minutes. That's great. <laughs> a lot, a lot of really interesting things to, to dig into there. Um, I, I you know, we're going to get to a lot of AEW stuff, I'm sure. But just just going back to your sort of origins in, in, in the biz, it's interesting to hear you say about, you know, sort of going to wrestling school making $8,000 a year when you were just starting out. Is it, uh, and your parents wanting you to have something else on the side, you know, or something else to fall back on if necessary. Um, is, did you, did you come up with people who, you know, didn't, weren't able to make it, who, you know, tried and tried and despite skill, you know, it's just a hard business to get into or hard to make money on um, when you're first, when you're first coming up? Well, there's a difference between making it, you know, I, I think it's, it's how you define making it. It's how you define success. Right. So, sure. um, you know, if I hadn't signed with AEW, I would have still said I had made it and, you know, sure. Like I had in 2018, you know, I wrestled in front of, you know, 5,000 people constantly on a new Japan pro wrestling tour, but I also wrestled in front of 150 people in Berwyn, Illinois, like, you know, and, and while I was in Berwyn, I would still say like, I've made it. This is great. Right. I love what I'm doing. So there are, there were people in my, in my wrestling circles that, um, that maybe didn't make it to some of the, the heights that I made it, whether in terms of that's pay, pay per show, you know, getting paid per show or attendance per show. But for the most part, uh, it's whether you stick with it or not. It's very much like a like, see, that's the difference between sports and art. It's in that sense, it's very much like art, whether it's a band or, uh, you know, or poetry or whatever it might be. Um, you know, if you stick with it forever, like you can call yourself a thing. But a lot of people get very frustrated and and they give up on, you know, they give up on maybe that part of their life or maybe their lives have changed. And so. Sure. Like I've seen so many people stop wrestling over, over the years, but I was just so laser focused that I just didn't want to stop doing it. And I think that's a lot of that's led to my success. I think Bill Burr had a quote, like Bill Burr was just like, I, and I'm not going to have the exact quote, but he's just like, I'm not the best. Everyone just stopped doing it. And I just continued. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely. So it's not necessarily survival of the fittest as much as it is survival of the most determined. Yeah. And I, if you do something at a good level for so long, you're going to get good. It's just how it is, you know? And uh, like, if everyone starts peeling out all of a sudden, you're going to be the only one doing it for that long and have that much experience. Well, that's, that's really interesting. So maybe we could talk a little bit about, you know, you sort of, uh, answered my first question for me, which was, how did your parents feel? My guess is how one would expect. Um, did they come around? Did they come around to it eventually? Yeah, yeah they weren't again. They, they've always been supportive. And my brother, you know, me and my, my brother and I have 
two very oddball successful jobs my brother was an animator loved to draw as a kid right and so again same thing like just a a job that there's not a lot of like um what's the uh it's like not the steadiest necessarily yeah. yeah it really isn't and then my brother was just so good at it now he's the director for family guy right so like huh he just like straight up knew what he wanted to do was laser focused there's no back there's no like um what's my backup plan you know necessarily or whatever it is or whatever it is I, but so we our parents were all for wanting us to do that but did want us to have some kind of like they were scared for us, you know, like I, sure, obviously Jewish parents, but uh, you know, my, my parents came to some shows. They came to watch me at the, you know, in Kenosha and the local shows around <laughs> Chicago and they were very supportive, but my mom was always like, you know, you have this degree. I want you to, you know, I, I think maybe you should get a job at like cor at this corporate place or she wanted me to be a teacher. And so I could have the summers off and I could have benefits and, you know, and then I could do wrestling on the weekend. That was kind of always her, in her head, her master plan for me. And I did, after I graduated college, I was a teaching assistant for two years because, you know, I wanted to have, I guess, some kind of steady income, but it just got to the point where I was wrestling so much. And I just, I, I just didn't want to wake up in the mornings, uh, you know, when I didn't have to. And, um, and, and it was just too heavy of a load. You know, like when I was a teaching, I was a teaching assistant for $11,000 a year. And then one weekend I'm flying to London to perform, you know, at York Hall at Bethnal wow. Green in front of a thousand people. And I'm selling all these T-shirts and I'm selling pictures. And then I, have, you know, and I'm making maybe a thousand dollars or something awesome. And then I go back and I'm like, I go back the next day for work. And I'm just like, what I'm going to make in two weeks, I'm, I just made in one night mm. and it just kind of didn't work out. And I, you know, I explained to my mom and dad, I'm like, listen, like, I think let me give this a go. And when I'm 30. You know, if I, I if I'm 30, I get a, a teaching job like I'll still have 30 to, to 55 and I can still retire with 25 years. So that was kind of the plan. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, you know, growing up, being a huge wrestling fan, knowing this and being, as you said, a, a bar mitzvah, Chicago son of the Shmata business, Jewish kid. Were there any Jewish wrestlers you looked up to or any Jewish uh, uh, Jews in the business? Well, I, I the big answer, I think for everyone, well, at least my age would be Barry Horowitz. Mm -hmm. And I've just recently met Barry Horowitz and I, and I got to tell him this, I, I have a, I have, so I have a new podcast called wrestling anonymous, which I'm very proud of it, but I had an old podcast that I did for about 10 years called art of wrestling, which um, was pretty, I, I think revolutionary in, in mm -hmm. my industry. And I did a, I, I would do live shows sometimes and I got to have Barry on a live show. And I basically told him, although Barry Horowitz was known as the guy who lost every match, essentially, uh, they were quote unquote jobber. That's what they would call them. Right. And he wasn't, he wasn't presented as the big star, but for me as a kid being eight or nine years old and seeing the name Barry, Her Barry Horowitz across the screen and knowing that there was a Jeremy Horowitz and an Adam Horowitz in my school and understanding that that's a Jewish name. It really said to me like, Oh my God, I can do this. We can do this. This is a thing. I kind of thought that it wasn't possible, but even though he was in the lower tier, it was like, he was on TV wrestling these people in a wrestling ring, something I would, I would dream to do, but maybe didn't think it was a reality. I think seeing Barry Horowitz on television really gave me like this idea that I could do or be a pro wrestler. That, that's a, that's a great story. I mean, it's, it's an interesting story about sort of representation in a way that we don't often think about it. I mean, you know, there's Jews with all kinds of names. You're, you're a Jew named Colt Cabana. Uh, you might be the only Jew named Colt as far as we know. 
But, uh, you know, when you see a, a Horowitz or a Goldberg or a Malenko or something like that, it, it can be inspiring to the kid who's watching and saying, oh, that, that guy has a name like me. And uh, I, I, too, could do that. Is Malenko a Jewish name? I, that's not his real last name, I don't think. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I know Dean Malenko is <laughs> Jewish. I actually, yeah, I actually hadn't thought that, I, I actually hadn't thought that through when I uh, when I mentioned that. Um, but anyways, a Horowitz or a Goldberg, at least I think you know everybody has an accountant uh, or, or knows an accountant with one of those last names too. So it's good to see a wrestler who, who can do it under that name as as well. It's uh, interesting. Just to here's a little Jewish geography. You're from Deerfield, Illinois. Obviously, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, isn't John Shire also from Deerfield, the new Duke basketball coach? Uh, John Shire went to Glenbrook North. Uh, so I believe he's from Northbrook and he was the same age as my cousin. Okay. See, this um, is the most Jewish, po- Jewish possible way this yeah. podcast yeah. could go. Oh, my cousin. Yeah. So he was yeah, nearby. Yeah. He was, um, yes. Uh, and I, you know, the further you get removed from high school basketball, it's just like not as cool. Like when I was in, high school basketball there was a, we had a player named ryan hogan who was supposed to be like this all-american he went on to play at duke i believe no at kentucky and okay. then iowa and then i remember i remember like a couple of years later my cousin ryan just being like this guy is unreal uh john shire right he's like the next ryan hogan he was essentially he was yeah. right yeah and so uh i, I i'm I know so much about sports from the age of six to 18. And when I stopped, when I started wrestling, I really became so immersed and I stopped playing video games and watching sports center. So like it just kind of gradually went away. But uh, so I, you know, and I don't know necessarily know so much about uh, high school sports, but I, those are, that's a name that I do know luckily through the, oh, yeah. through the geography. Of course. Um, you know, something I was hoping you could talk about, we know there's a, a really sort of, rich history of jews in in professional wrestling both from why you gotta say rich bro oh yeah it's a good great quote a a uh, influential not controlling not controlling but influential microaggressing against himself here (laughs) exactly um you know going from Raphael halperin obviously is a a big example in the you know vince mcmahon era became a rabbi in israel in his later life um and then sort of moving on to to like we said goldberg and now uh, you and MJF sort of on TV every week. It's sort of, there's always been a Jewish guy to carry the torch for the community. It feels. Um, and do you feel any responsibility to do that? You know, as you said, you watch Barry Horowitz. Do you have anything, you know, to sort of think about or, or think about the kids watching you, the Jewish kids? You know, I'm a 30 um, year old one Jewish guy, 31 year old Jewish guy, but I'm watching you going, Oh shit, that guy's Jewish. Yeah, you know, there was a, so there's a time where I came out with a shirt that said I Jewish star Colt still available at ProWrestlingTees.com <laughs> slash Colt Cabana. But I mean, I sold so many of those shirts at my height of like my popularity I, I in the tens of thousands, you know, and mm-hmm. um, that was I think that was me really uh, not necessarily accepting, but like showing the pride of Judaism as a culture. I'm not necessarily a religious man really but That's i neither. do yeah i do appreciate and love uh the culture and the sense of, you know the sense of humor and just and the story you know but I, I i do i do not practice nor do i want to but i do accept myself as judaism and i and i and i think it's part of my story and so uh, you know i made that decision probably in my late 20s and believe me early in my career first of all when i first started wrestling i did not tell anybody i was jewish right. uh Right. And that, that stems from going to Mickey Owens baseball camp when I was a young kid and asked if I had horns and a tail, you know, like I shaved I real- mine for this interview. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> but I realized like, oh, I'm going to be 
you know, because when I first started wrestling, I was traveling to Louisville, Kentucky, like, you know, wrestling every other week. And, you know, there's a stigma of the, the southern kind of part who might not understand or grew up around Jews and 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 going to Mickey Owens baseball camp in Missouri, it scared me as a kid of like, I, that's what I thought, like people thought of us. So I kind of like, until I got confidence as myself, as a person, as a wrestler within my industry, I was kind of scared to, to, to say it and to wear it as a, a badge of uh, honor. And, you know, I think in my late twenties, I really started to understand myself and, and be proud of it and proud of myself. And I was really confident in myself. And that's when I kind of like was, I came out almost as a Jewish wrestler. Right. Right. Um, well, I guess Vince McMahon outed me when he named me Scotty Goldman uh, in the WWE, <laughs> but uh, he didn't he didn't give me the opportunity to come out of the Jewish closet. He outed me, but um, no, it was a good but, push. It sounds like yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> it was an awful push in terms of professional wrestling. I lost my first five matches and then was fired. But um, I digress. Uh, yeah. So I, so I do wear it as a, as a badge of honor. And, uh, I think 10 years ago, there weren't a lot of wrestlers like me. And now I think it's so cool that a lot of wrestlers, uh, are are very proud of it and let, you know, kind of let the world know whether, you know, AEW alone, um, QT Marshall, Matt Seidel, um, MJF, Layla Hirsch, myself. And so it's kind of cool that there's some representation and that necessarily wasn't, a thing, especially for me years ago. And and so I, it's nice um, when wrestlers come up to me and they're like, Hey, I'm Jewish. And I'm like, Oh, shalom, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something to start a bridge off, uh, to bond a bridge off. Of. So there's a picture of you going around the internet. I've seen the, I, I, you know, star Colt Cabana, but with a, a championship belt, that's got the star of David on it. Can you tell us the story of that belt? Yeah. And, and um, if you go back, so my art of wrestling podcast series, all the archives are up, but if you go back to the archives, I think it was called the wrestling road diary series. And I document, I started doing weekly documentations and I document me wrestling at this Orthodox Jewish man's backyard for this, these two brothers named the Megan twins. You, have you heard of the Megan twins? Oh yeah. You know, we know had, them well. We yeah, know you them had well. to have known them. Yes. Right. So they are, um, I, I just to fill you in, I mean, we're both in Toronto where, where they live. I mean, you know, not to go into the Jewish geography and, and, you know, going to camp with them and stuff like that, but they are the sort of like, you know, bar mitzvah DJ, they started out as like the bar mitzvah DJs, the promotions guys running, you know, backyard wrestling stuff um, and, and continuing to do it successfully here. So they're, they're big, uh, they're big closers in the, in the Toronto Jewish uh, wrestling yes. and everything. And else my, my friend, my very good friend, Stu Stone, who is also from Toronto mm-hmm. grew up also with, the, the Megan twins. And so I knew it, this wasn't just me going to a show. It's like, I was very well aware of them and we had been acquainted and I've known of them for a long time. So, yeah. So, uh, so Gian, you know, tries to play a wrestler and Paige helps promote and they promote this show and they do so much for the community and the Jewish community. And yeah, they're, they're like, they're hustlers, but it's all in good spirit and good fun. And, and they do well. They, they, they pay the wrestlers. They love wrestling. They pay the wrestlers. It's very nice. And uh, yeah, they wanted to start, um, they, they had this belt and they kind of wanted to start this. Um, I don't, I forget it was like the bar mitzvah championship or the, the Jewish <laughs> world heavyweight championship. And so, um, I, I won it in the, in an Orthodox Jewish man's backyard. And then the guy, the guy doing play by play was like the Toronto Raptors play by play guy. Like, uh, was, wow. it, was it Herbie Jack or Chuck Sorsky? Jack Kelly or something like that. Is that, or Jack Armstrong? Uh, Jack Armstrong? I think Jack Armstrong. Was he like an old New Yorker? Yes, that would be Jack. Armstrong. And then I and then I 
so that because we're there was live commentary over the over the the speaker and so me and jack armstrong started doing commentary for this battle royal and i started throwing in like all of the jewish jokes of <laughs> of like we were going to cut a hole in the middle of the apron so these guys could have set like just anything that like any i you know any whatever jewish humor that came to me right. and i was a little and the the crowd was eating it up i it was like one of my greatest nights of comedy uh of comedic performance i've ever had was killing in front of the, the orthodox jews on, on wrestling commentary i loved it so much oh that's amazing yeah they're they're great i think they might be behind the iron sheik's twitter account yeah. and Ver, and virgil don't and don't virgil tell, don't tell anybody yeah there's a lot of pictures of virgil on our on their website yeah um well, that's that's such a small world. OK, so good to know. So that's where that belt comes from. Do you still have it or who has it now? I is mean, it, I, ho- it- I hold it in jest. I, I think they they are holding on to it. But OK, you know, I, you I hold I've it been, in perpetuity in a way, in perpetuity. But I've been wrestling for um, for Rabbi Jeremy Fine OK, um, up in Minnesota. And he yes, just, it's in Minneapolis. Yeah. And he just moved to become the rabbi of um, one of the temples where I grew up. And so now he's going to start running shows in my Jewish suburbs oh, wow. uh, where I grew up. Um, yeah. I think December 12th is the first show at like B'nai Tikva or something like that. And that would um, be, that would be a real, you know, a great modern spin on the jazz singer, you know, for you to come back to your home, <laughs> home synagogue and, and wrestle, you know, wrestle, wrestle, wrestle in the shul basement uh, where you had your bar mitzvah Kaddish or something like that would be pretty I've, amazing. I mean, I've had such a really fun career and I've gone all over the world and like, I've never really wrestled in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago. Yeah. And so it's kind of cool that like, this will essentially be my homecoming. <laughs> That's are you, are you a Greek town wrestling guy in Toronto? Did you ever wrestle for Greek? I town? did wrestle for Greek town. Yes. So that's in a church, which is also the synagogue I go to. So, so it's, it's, there's a lot of shul wrestling. Are they allowed to do that? Split I don't time? think. Yes. Uh, but they cover up all the Jesus with like, <laughs> like Jewish tapestry. Yeah. Synagogue it. on Saturday, church on Sunday, Tuesday night wrestling. Yeah. Wednesday bingo. <laughs> Wednesday, Wednesday bingo. Yeah. They got a little exactly. everything. They actually do archery classes in the basement, <laughs> which is even weirder. Um, but so it's, it's good to know. So, you know, we're, we've talked about a lot of things, but tell us a little bit about the, the Scotty Goldman character, if you're willing to talk about it. Was that, yeah. you know, was that, a, a, would you expect that to be a positive stereotype? How did it turn out to be a negative stereotype? What was your experience? You know, I, I went to, I got signed by the WWE basically because I had been wrestling for eight years, traveling the world. All of my friends were in the WWE and so many of the wrestlers said, you got to sign Colt. He's great. And I think out of pressure, they were just like, okay, if 25 wrestlers are saying, sign this guy, sign him. But um, you know, I don't look, I, I don't look like Hulk Hogan or John Cena. I look like a chubby Jewish kid from the suburbs. Right. So don't, I always said to all. my, <laughs> right. Yeah. But <laughs> we're not all trying to get half naked and be on WWE raw every night. Right. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, what is different about me? Like, you know, in the, in the world of WWE on, on the independent scene in the international market, I knew I could just be me, but I want, I had to say to myself, like, what do I have that's different than everyone? And, and, and the Jewish thing did pop up for me. So, you know, when, when meeting with Vince McMahon or that kind of, or the higher ups, like that was just always something that I kind of would put in my resume of like, if that's something you want to explore, you're welcome to explore it. You know, if you want to pop Israel, you know, if you want to go over there and make that a big town, you know, like I would be your guy. And, Mm. um, and so eventually when they called me up from their developmental territory into uh, I debuted on on um, SmackDown on the CW network. They were, I you know, 
secondhand, I heard Vince McMahon was like, oh, is he Jewish? And they're like, yeah, all right, call him Goldman. That's kind of, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of was it what it was, you know? And then I, I had a, I had a meeting with Vince McMahon. It was the only meeting I had with him. And I remember him asking me like, are you Jewish? And I said like, I am, but I'm, no, I'm not like a super Jew. And uh, that was the only time I made him laugh. Uh, he, he did find that amusing. He went, he went, huh. okay. yeah. and, well, you couldn't throw up on command for him or something like that. So <laughs> no, as, right. exactly. So, okay. There was Scotty Goldman. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. And that's when you sort of embraced your, your Jewish side. I mean, I don't know if that's what it was, but I guess in the WWE, you know, I had a WWE.com talk show that that some of the younger, like cooler writers were trying to hide under the, um, you know, like under the table because mm -hmm. I was I wasn't being presented on television, but like we have WWE.com. You could do that. And I would write these skits. And then when I would write the skits, I, they would send them back to Stanford to edit them. And if you ever watch them, it's pretty kind of like gross like the editing is like they add in like um the family guy like, like no. they add those sounds in they like made the the, the music like fiddle fid fiddler on the roof kind of doidle doidle music and um like instead of a batman symbol it was like a jewish star so like my humor didn't have really any jewish yeah you know but like they kind of forced it in and I, I thought it was a bit anti-semitic like I, I really didn't like it but uh, in the wwe the culture is so wild that I mean, I wasn't going to say anything, you know, like, right. uh, you know, in, in the WWE, one of the trainers that I trained with, he referred to me as Kike Cabana Jeez. and and I wasn't going to say anything. And that's just because I don't know, like that was my dream. And if I said something, I would cause some kind of commotion. And then maybe and then I assumed because it's such a packing order there that they would just fire me like it was so hard at that time. I thought it was my fault that I was being called Kike Cabana. Um, and you know, well, well, it's not, I'm sure you know, you. but yes. it's not, do you <laughs> feel it, that, do you feel that things have, have changed somewhat in the last decade? Uh, are things different at AEW or, or in your independent work? Well, well first of all, I mean, the WWE, listen, the WWE is just a, it's a, it's a world of, of it in its own. And, okay. um, I can't, can I speak whether it's changed or not? I don't know. I'm not there. Uh, and I'm happy I'm not there. And I kind of had some opportunities to kind of go back and I'm glad I didn't go back. Uh, and AEW is a completely different world ran. It's essentially started by the wrestlers on the independent scene who wanted something different with a man named Tony Khan, who had, uh, you know, enough money and a dream to kind of make it happen. And now we put it all together and it's literally magic and it's the coolest thing. Um, so it's, it's a different place with a different idea and, and different visions. And it's just not the same. So um, I, I've, you know, I've never really, I, that stuff. I mean, he, listen, that guy called me that. Um, and like, I'm able to brush it off and just like, be like, well, he's the most ignorant person and he's got a lot of problems. He's got to do a sure. lot of work on himself. That's his problem, you know? And so it's not like mm -hmm. I was like the world's against me. I was like, this poor guy is a sad human being and I feel bad for him. So. And that's, I mean, what well, like watching or, or being, I guess, exposed to WWE now, I'm a little, I'm always a little iffy on like, the way they even treat Judaism now, Paul Heyman being the best example of, you know, someone who is outwardly Jewish. And I don't think necessarily always positively, although I think he would probably say it's the character and it's for the show and all that stuff, but it's not, it's not sort of a big, strong guy beating people up who is also Jewish, at least, you know, Goldberg being the one example, but that's not him. Jewish wasn't really part of his character. Um, 
Yeah, but I don't I think he it, shies away from it, though. I think it's like you said, it's pretty cool. Like we can see on the screen, it says Goldberg and any little Jewish kid yeah. can see it and be like, that's that guy's badass. That's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there was one moment, I think, right before this was a few years ago. I didn't see it. I heard about it. But when Brock Lesnar was facing Goldberg, uh, Heyman read out the mourners Kaddish ahead of time. And that was funny. But, mm. you know, when he says things like, oh, my people are the best litigators in the world, less so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, but you know, right. I mean, I agree. I, I, it's not, I'm, it's not like I disagree, but wrestling's always been about like, you know, I thought the same way. I'm like, what do I got? I'm Jewish. Yeah. I'll, try to, I'll try to use that, I guess, to somehow right. get on TV and entertain the world in some way. It, it's pro wrestling. There's always going to be a part of it. That's very, you know, larger than life performative, uh, you know, drawing on the caricatures of people. It, it, it seems like increasingly now um, wrestlers are sort of encouraged to, I don't know, highlight their differences or, or what's unique about them and not just necessarily be, you know, shoehorned into a certain stereotype. I, I guess that still happens to a certain degree uh, with certain promotions, but there is more of a, an opportunity to sort of explore, explore who you are as a, as a real person or, or explore the, the, the character based on who, who the real person is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think wrestling, I don't know. Wrestling was always kind of like, I, I, I don't know. That's, it's a hard one, I guess. For outside of WWE, like people got like when you say that, like Kamala comes to my mind first, and it's just like mm-hmm. I don't know what to think sure. about it. You know, it's like uh, it was so successful. Looking back at it now, is probably very problematic. But it's just like, do we allow it to happen because it was the times? It's just um, I don't it's know. Tricky. I don't know the answers to it. And as you said, um, I, I can't remember who it was you said about it before, but. Uh, uh, that, you know, some people, they, they want this because it's how they become big, you know, whether it's exploiting some facet of their personality or the, or, or the character's personality that's sort of, uh, you know, a bit of a caricature or something like that, like with Kamala or somebody else, that, you know, it, it is part of what gets that person to be at the next level or gets them popularity is, is playing up that character. You know, Iron Sheik is, a, I guess, a good example of that, of, uh, you know, playing up that, uh, you know, Middle Eastern stereotype when I don't think that's who the person that's who the person was, but it, right. it sold, especially at that time. And you could say the same thing about, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan and, and the Americanness of it. So we don't want to go too long without letting you talk about your show that you've got going on now. Mm. Um, why don't you tell us about your new podcast a bit? Yeah, it's called wrestling anonymous. It's a hotline show basically. And, um, uh, people call in with their funny wrestling stories, you know, like interactions, interactions with wrestlers, uh, friends, interactions, uh, you know, a lot of, it, it's hard to explain, not it's hard to explain, but like, it, it could be anything. There, there was a story about a guy who's a security guard and, um, this guy was on the ledge and he was thinking about committing suicide and the security guard noticed that he had a wrestling shirt, just like him. And he went to give him like the two sweet sign and he grabbed his hand and he saved his life. Wow. Um, that was heartwarming. There was the story last week of a guy who had brought his friend to wrestling who had IBS and he, his IBS kicked in when he got excited and he saw Hall and Nash and he got super excited. So he shit himself. Um, and then he had to go to the top, uh, the cheap seats and throw his <laughs> underwear uh, in the cheap seats and run back down and get their autographs. You know, it's just, it's a whole spectrum of just wrestling stories that maybe there isn't a platform for anybody. Uh, maybe there isn't a platform for them to put them out in the world, but uh, I'm, I'm giving them this platform because I love wrestling so much and I love these kind of stories and there's nowhere for people to hear these kind of stories. And so I made a podcast to have those kind of stories and I, I, I produce it and I edit it and I cut it down and um, you know, I'm very diligent about it. So it's like only a half hour. There's a bunch of calls in there and then I kind of give my two cents about it. I'm very proud of it. It comes out weekly on Tuesday 
And if anyone listening has a story or knew a Jewish wrestler or knew, you know, there's a lot of fun stories about independent wrestlers and people's dads, friends who were a wrestler. And then we're like, do you want to go to a show? And they're like, what? And he's like, yeah, my friend at work is a wrestler. Uh, and then they go to a show, you know, that kind of stuff is there's so many stories of those and I love hearing them. And so, um, and so, yeah, so I made a podcast about it. It's called wrestling anonymous and I hope you uh, subscribe and listen. And can we find it anywhere you find podcasts, anywhere you find podcasts, baby. When I was, I, mean, I was probably about 10. I met Scotty too hottie at a blue Jays game. And this was like, like the spiky hair, you know, the worm. It was very exciting. I remember I met Seika at a Cubs game. Cool. Right, exactly. They, they, you know, they're burned into our mind. You know who that is? No, I assume a wrestler. No, Seika was a very legendary <laughs> 70s and 80s porn star. Oh, there you go. Even better. And my, and my dad goes, hey, there's Seika. He was very excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, that sounds like a good place to, to wrap it up, Cole, <laughs> uh, before we get too out of pocket here. Um, thanks so much for joining us. That was really great. Um, as you mentioned, you can find Colts, uh, podcast wrestling anonymous, wherever you get your podcast Colts on AEW wrestling, uh, AEW is on Wednesday nights on, well, it's on Wednesday and Friday on TNT, but in Canada, I think it's, I believe it's on TSN. Yeah. It's on TSN. Yeah. yeah. So check that out. Um, on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, it's all at Cole Cabana and I Twitch. I love playing video games and having fun on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Cole Cabana. And, and it's great to speak to you. Great to meet you. Uh, if we're ever in Toronto, if you're ever in Toronto, we'll come say hi. I know we originally wanted to do this in person almost 18 months ago. <laughs> then there was a small, small blip in that plan. Yeah. We had a setback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's good to see good to see you on TV and uh, uh, everyone tune in to the show. Thanks again, Cole. Thanks so much to Colt for that uh, deep and interesting and, and ultimately heartwarming interview about a young boy and his wrestling dreams and, and hopefully continue to inspire the next generation of of Jewish wrestling fans. Yeah, um, it was from- interesting. He mentioned uh, he mentioned Kamala briefly as as a sort of you know, archetype of the, uh, I guess, stereotype caricatured wrestler. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that if they don't know who that was? Absolutely. We talked about Kamala uh, a month. Kamala was a uh, American, a black American wrestler who wrestled in the character of sort of like a, uh, an African tribal Ugu Aa type guy. Um, And and this was back in the, in the, in the eighties and nineties. In the eighties. Although he came back every now and again, and up until the two thousands. And it's not something that I think, you know, is, is uh, something to be celebrated in the history of wrestling, um, but it happened. And it's something we, we, you know, talked about as in the past. And, and as, 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 sorry, as Colt said earlier, something that hopefully doesn't happen again. Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, I don't know exactly where one necessarily wants to draw the line between um, performance and stereotype. I mean, I think we all have an, you know, probably our own idea of like what, what Jew face, for example, looks like. Um, if somebody's putting that on in certain circumstances and, you know, it's easy, you know, like, uh, like the famous line about pornography, you know, when you see it, it's hard to draw hard and fast rules about it. Someone like Kamala was a very, you know, stereotype character or something that I think everyone would find problematic these days, regardless of, uh, you know, your stance on political correctness. It it goes well beyond the line. Um, Other Jewish wrestlers have sort of embraced it to certain degrees. And um, I guess there's probably times where they're stereotyped as well. So, something to to think about keep in mind as as you know you watch performances and and try to figure out you know how jews are received in different in different parts of the world 
Absolutely. It, 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 you know, now that, that we're sort of becoming smarter about it in North America, it's interesting to see how coverage of the Jews will hopefully keep up globally. Yeah. Uh, but great to see a, a wrestler, a Jewish wrestler who's really succeeding at a high level. And, uh, you know, we wish Colt all the, all, all the success with, uh, you know, his continued wrestling with AEW, you know, it's really been a, a an incredible rise of that, of that, uh, promotion over the last couple of years. Well, that should just about do it from our, our show. Uh, again, we are the Mench Warmers. Uh, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, so on and so forth. Please tell your friends about this show, like and subscribe, and also join our parents at the cajon.ca slash circle, El Circulo of our family, so to speak. Um, my six-month uh, son, his favorite toy is a circle called El Circulo. Uh, and I think the cjn.ca slash the circle will be your favorite too. Support local Jewish uh, reporting and newspaper and podcasting. Uh, again, that's the cjn.ca slash circle. Like and subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter at Menchwarmers. And until next time, we'll see you with all the new news we have about the world of Jews and sports. Shana Tova. Thank you.